Sunday, Monday, happy gays. Tuesday, Wednesday, happy gays. Thursday, Friday, happy gays. They're best chums. Let's have some fun. Ready to chat with you. These gays of ours. Happy gays. These gays of ours. Happy gays. Podcast. This is Ashley Fair. And I'm Jared Hagland. And we are Gay, Gay Best, Best Friends. Friends. Woo. That felt good. <laughs> <laughs> it always feels good to see you and it's, be here with you. Right? It's so nice. It's nice to be best friends. Right? It's nice to have friends where a Saturday night <laughs> by yourselves in a basement office is actually a great way to spend your weekend. <laughs> Uh, so, how are you, Jared? I'm doing well. We were talking earlier how we didn't, there was like nothing exciting from our weeks. Yeah. And I pretty much came down to this is the most exciting thing that happened to me this week. Okay, or at tell least me. interesting. I was at a work event Monday night mm-hmm. and I was chewing gum and it liquefied in my mouth. I've had that happen before. Okay. Why does it happen? I, did you have chapstick on? Any oils? No, no chapstick. Anything? No drinking. I was running around doing the work. All of a sudden, the gum just turned into liquid, and I had to run to the bar, and I grabbed a bunch of napkins, and luckily, I have no qualms about spitting and put things out in public, <laughs> and just like, let all this gum liquid pour out into the napkin That's and throw sorry. it in the garbage. I don't know why it does that. I assumed the one time it happened to me, I had put on some chapstick. And soon after that, it, like, disintegrated. Oh, so maybe a chemical reaction? Yeah. I looked it up, and one, like, main consensus or phenomenon about it was that it happens when you're turned on. (laughs) Were you... I was not turned on. (laughs) Were you at least excited? It was a big night. I thought, like, because it was getting close to, like, a peak of the event, and and maybe there was, like, some adrenaline. I was not turned on when mine happened. Why? Maybe you got a thing for chapstick. (laughs) I was, it was um, one of my last high school plays, and I was filling in for the costume person to help, like, fix the... So you were dressing and undressing people? I was sewing buttons on their sleeves when they fell off, yeah. Hot. Super hot. (laughs) So exciting. That's so funny. What a weird, what a weird thing to happen to lots of people. Yeah. That's... And no one can explain it. The internet has a name for it. Or I guess, sorry, the world, just how you just happen to find it on the internet, has a name for it. But there's no real consensus on why it happens. If any of you is a science person, then, like, get researching. This is very important. Right? I, the public wants to know. Uh, also, my second thought was, I am going to take this opportunity to write a letter to the gum company, and maybe I can get a free pack of gum. And have you? I haven't yet, but I'm going to, and I'll, I'll yeah. report back on... What the response is. Maybe they have a solution. Maybe they know what it is. I hope so. Yeah. They must. They test these things. Yeah. You Has it hope. happened with any other piece of gum? From that pack? Yeah. No. Hmm. And that was one thing people said too. Like they've had faulty packs where it all happens. Not this time. Yeah. Interesting. Well, you write to the gum company. You write very good letters to companies. So oh, I, like... I write great complaint letters. Yes. <laughs> Find out and report back. Okay, I will. Yeah, I look forward to hearing what they have to say. And don't tell me until we record. Okay, the time I'll keep after it fresh. you receive it. Yeah. 
What else happened? You said something else happened. I know. I forget what the other thing... Oh, no! I remember what the other thing was. The only other thing about this week that I thought was exciting or nice was we went to our wings place that we hadn't been to in ages. That's right. I forgot that I saw you so recently. Yeah. I And I just... The flood of nostalgia I was, had from that night from fried chicken was like one of the the biggest floods of nostalgia I've had in a while. It was very redeeming too because the time before that that I had gone there, the wings were awful. They were dry and kind of like overcooked and like small and only half saucy. And I was just like, oh, I think I'll stop recommending this place. But going there this week, totally redeemed. They were juicy, saucy. Crispy. Crispy. Oh my God, they were so good. I enjoyed them so much. I don't think we need to hide it. All listeners, if you like chicken wings, it is The Pint in Vancouver, located at Abbott and Pender. Uh, They're across Canada as well, or at least in Alberta. Their happy hour is you buy a beer and you get a free pound of chicken wings. It's such a great deal. Beer or cider. Yeah. And normally that costs you like $13. Yeah, easily. I don't know who buys chicken wings on non-chicken wheeled nights. It blows my mind when people talk about Wing Wednesday there. And I'm just like, you know, you get free wings during happy hour if you buy a beer. Like you're buying, we talk about it, you are buying a beer when you're ordering these 35 cent wings or whatever. Yeah, I think you have to as well. Yeah. So like, just go during happy hour. But I just like normally off the menu at any restaurant, wings are always going to be $13 or something like that for one pound. Yeah. And there's enough wing deals out there. I don't even know who's getting them on regular nights. Silly people. Right? Idiots. Idiots. I will judge you if you were buying chicken wings, not on deals. <laughs> mm, I love chicken wings. I feel like we saw a fair bit of each other this week. Sometimes we sit down and we're like, I haven't seen you in a week. You also came to my Oscar party. Oh my God, the Oscars happened this past week. Yeah, which I'll let you know, we only hosted an Oscar party because of the passive-aggressive comment you made earlier on the podcast saying that you never got invited to my non-existing Oscar parties before. <laughs> Really? No, but... (laughs) (laughs) It was a great party. I have to admit that my plan was to only stay for an hour. Really? Um, Yeah, because, like, Jericho wasn't feeling well, and we hadn't really spent a lot of time together over the week, because that's how it goes when you work opposite hours. Um, So she dropped me off, because we had been... We went out somewhere. You went to go look at wedding stuff. Oh, we went to the venue. Oh, man, what a great week it's been. (laughs) Um, So she dropped me off, and I was going to come home after an hour. And then there was trivia, and I had to see how I did on the ballot and then i got to help mark the ballots so i think that's what really sucked you in is when zach had you help mark yeah it was pretty fun i love marking that's you two are one of the few people i know that even more than like playing a game and enjoying that part of it like running a game and being part of the rules committee i think you both enjoy even more oh we're such nerds yeah (sighs) so our lives are boring um (laughs) which i guess it means we probably... Well, I was just going to say, to be fair, for the listeners, I believe we've talked before, we're political, but we agreed that this podcast wouldn't, like, be political. It's everything but that. And so this week, though, in Canada has been a really hot political week. Oh my god, so it's, it's been <laughs> such good TV. It's not that we're necessarily boring as much as our lives have been taken up by something that isn't the 
comedy that we want to share with you. So, But other than politics things this week, what you watching? Well, I'm a bit behind. Oh, sorry. No, Ashley. <laughs> You're a bit behind the eight ball. I will say on our um, on our podcast. Uh, <laughs> so let's try that again. Um, so Ashley, what you watching? Slash listening. Slash reading. Slash what you putting in you? Sure, that's close enough. <laughs> I'm, okay, so Ashley, what 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 what's got you this week? So I'm a little bit behind by probably a couple of years, but I have started watching one day at a time. I think you're behind by like 40 years. <laughs> the new one day at a time. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but yes, very good. It was 1975 that it originally aired. Well, I know my old sitcoms. <laughs> um, so for those who don't know, well, first I'll explain why I'm, I'm behind. Nope, that's a lie. So for those who don't know what one day at a time is, it is, the new one is a sitcom about a Cuban-American family. Uh, it's about a recently separated woman. She is a, um, a veteran and a nurse. She lives with her mom, or her mom lives with her, and she has two kids. And it's about everything that they are going through in life. Um, they deal with sexism. They deal with racism. Um, PTSD that comes with being a veteran. Um, they've dealt with gun rights or gun issues, um, everything, literally everything that you could think of, they deal with it and they handle it in such a gentle, but firm way. Hmm. Like it's not, the issues aren't spoon fed to you in like a soft applesauce kind of way. <laughs> Cause it's, it is spoon fed to you. I had to like, I was like, it is spoon fed. It's. It's very easy to engage with and understand the issue if you don't already understand the issue. For instance, like, oh, coming out, which is why I'm talking about the show at all. <laughs> I mean, it's a great show, but uh, but that's it's, it's also very, very gay. Um, at least this iteration. I have not watched the 1975 version, but I don't think it's I don't gay. think it's very queer. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they deal with coming out and how different parents handle it. Or at one point, the daughter has a friend who is genderqueer. And they explain what that means at all in such easy to grasp language. But you don't feel like you're a dumbass for not knowing. Mm. It's just, it's great. Um, more like ice cream than applesauce. And like any good sitcom does. I like, I... Some people like the opera. Some people like the theater. Mm -hmm. I'm a fan of sitcoms. I think it is one of the greatest art forms. And it's doing exactly... They do... Good ones do exactly what you're saying. Right. So it's so... Oh, it's perfect. It's perfection. I... This show makes me emote out loud in every episode. Um, and I'm I'm behind. Or I, I decided to start watching it again because... They just finished season three, or season three just came out on Netflix, and it's unclear if Netflix will renew them for a fourth season. And so there's been a big push for those who are fans of it or of the idea of the show to be watching it and boost the the numbers so that Netflix will say, okay, yeah, 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 all right, fourth season, here we come. Um, 
So hopefully I'm helping that. But I don't know if I need to watch season three to help those numbers, but I just finished season two. Even if you don't watch season three, like if you don't have the time, when you leave the house, you should just like put it on and let it run through. Just like get those numbers up. Yeah. So I tried watching One Day at a Time um, about a year ago. Again, because I heard really good things about it. I think Autostraddle wrote about it and like any TV that Autostraddle writes about, I'm in. (laughs) And I watched the first episode. And the thing that was challenging for me was there's a laugh track. And I just, I don't react well to laugh tracks. Mm. So I was just like, this is too much. It's too corny. There's too much noise. I'm not into it. But then when they were in danger of not getting a fourth season, I really wanted it to happen because I think it's important to have queer representation, especially Latinx queer representation. So I was like, all right, I'm going to be one more number for those views. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I want to unpack that. Okay. What about a laugh track turns you off? <laughs> you want to unpack the laugh track? Um. Yeah, sorry. Not queer representation <laughs> or Cupid Americans on being, television. Being the white girl who's trying to help Cuban Americans no, on TV. No, no, no. I want to unpack the laugh track. Um, Do you feel like it's forcing you to laugh or it's telling you? It just makes it feel, it takes you out of the, the realness of it? I think so. I think I like to pretend that I'm like really in the room watching it happen. And a laugh track makes it really obvious that it's just TV. I like a laugh track. At home, it's very rarely that a joke's actually going to make you laugh out loud. So to me, it just makes me feel like I'm in a room full of lots of people who are laughing. Because if you were in a room full of lots of people, you might have laughed. And because that's what... It is. Mm-hmm. Few laugh tracks are fake laugh tracks. Oh, totally. No, no, I know. I know that it's but, like uh, actually... Yeah, but I get, what, I get what takes you out, but that's part of what draws me into a laugh track. And, you, you know... It's comfort, I think. You're not wrong, because it does. I react to other... I mean, like I said, it helps... It, this show makes me emote out loud, but I'm very responsive to other emotions. So when I hear someone else laughing... It's easy for, like, it to hit me the right way. Oh, yeah. If I see someone crying, I'll start crying, too. You know, like, I, I do respond really well to other emotions. So hearing a laugh track probably does boost my likeliness to laugh. I'm sure that's what well, it is. It's a thing. That's why they have them. Um, and I know with other TV shows, older TV shows, I remember, like, years ago watching, I don't know, Friends or something and laughing along with the laugh track and then thinking how silly I was because I was just like... Oh my god, Ashley, you're just one of those people in the audience, aren't you? Yeah, you are. And you can <laughs> own that. I like when you mentioned about like other people's emotions making you feel that. There should be like cry tracks. Th- this is us could use an, a cry track to make you feel like you're not alone in your living room bawling your eyes out. I would love to know there's a group of people out there with me and cry with them. That's true. They just like pass a tissue through the screen <laughs> to you. <laughs> you just feel a soft pat on your back. <laughs> So, Jarrett, what's in you? Uh, This week, as part of my 2019 New Year's goals, was to read five fiction books. So I'm reading my first fiction book of the year. And I went to, and I'm reading, Call Me By Your Name. Mm. Um, It was made into a movie a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. It was at the Oscars. I'm I'm loving it. It's about, uh, it takes place in Italy. And it's about this, I think, 16, 17-year-old boy who lives at home and his father's an academic. And every summer, a new they have a new person come 
from somewhere else in the world who's an academic professor or something to learn under him, his father, and to like work on their book or work on a project in this gorgeous seaside city in Italy. And this boy falls in love and pines after this current guy who is staying there. Mm-hmm. And it's all first person from the young boy's point of view. And it is so sultry. The struggle it takes you through with the young boy, like, dealing with his sexuality and his affection for this person. And just kind of, like, the the things you deal with when you like someone about if you're going too far by saying hello that morning. Or all those little things. It leads you along the way so well. And for, like, the good first third of the book, I was really excited to watch the movie because... You know, it's fun to watch, see what you pictured was actually what they pictured. Mm-hmm. And then it just gets to the point that I don't think any movie could do it justice. Because if it did, it would no longer be a motion picture and would, like, be some sort of, like, well-plotted porno. Right. And the one thing people always talked about from this book and movie was the peach scene. And there's a part of the book where the main character's talking about an apricot... And relating it to the man he's after's ass and biting into it and the whole thing. And in my head, I'm like, oh, the movie got it all wrong. They used a peach instead of an apricot. And they missed the whole point because the big point of the apricot scene is the main character using the etymology of the word apricot, relating it to Latin and Greek and going to its original form of apricot. And relating it to the character that he's after. And mm-hmm. I was so cocky about it. Everyone else just missed the point. Apricot. Right? Apricot. And then you get to the peach scene. And I'm like, oh, there is a peach scene. And oh my god, the peach scene. Anyone who has read this book will be right there with me. And I don't even know how it's in the movie. The closest thing I can relate it to is Van Wilder. When the frat people eat donuts filled with... A uh, dog cum. Ew, 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 ew. <laughs> but when it is done in a non-comedic way and is done in a very, like, dominant power structure sexual way, I don't think they can get away with it in a movie. And I'd be very excited to see if the peach scene, what the peach scene is in the movie. Oh, now you have to watch. Peaches and apricots, how fruity. It is fruity. And, <laughs> um... Uh, yeah, I, like I said, don't read a lot of fiction. Mm-hmm. When I do, I have tried to read very queer fiction, and I have not read one, I think, that is this good as, since I book Faggots, mm. which, if no one's read Faggots, I would also recommend that. It's g- great queer literature, and I think I might even change my 2019 goal to be five queer fiction Ooh. fictions. What are you going to pick? Topics. Can we talk? So this week, um, one of the things everyone's talking about is the Momo Challenge. This mm-hmm. weird internet non-sensation of, from what I can gather, this weird, creepy-looking person or woman who is taking over children's social media phones, popping up in their computers somehow, and giving them an escalating challenge of activities to do that end up harming themselves or leading to killing themselves, and parents got afraid. Mm. Parents got afraid, and they are the ones that started spreading this news and getting it around and trying to make it a thing to people be aware of, and it was all a hoax. It has been a hoax. Yeah, people should have known. Well, 
I think parents just get so afraid for their kids. Um, and they look for any way to protect them that they can. That's fair. Fear my, is a powerful thing. My mom read my diary and then put me into homeschooling for a year. Like, <laughs> Really? It's a little bit more nuanced than that. But Were yes. you referencing Momo? No Momo. No Momo. No Momo. Okay. First thing about this I find fast... I, I find it hilarious that just parents' mass hysteria is what made it even a thing. Mm-hmm. If it weren't for one parent spreading it and other parents going, oh, watch out, this wouldn't be a thing. But what we already know about social media is that it's all algorithms and, um, like, hot hot words that make their way into your newsfeed more and more. And so when parents are posting these like warnings, the social media knows like this is a parent. Yeah. They're concerned. We better blast this out further. Like that's why, that's why those It helps it snowball. Yeah. It, It works to do that work. Exactly. I'm trying to like, I'm not a parent. I'm trying to put myself in the position of a parent that this phenomenon scares me. If this was actually out there, how does it scare me more than any other thing that my kid can encounter already in social media in the world? Because it's something that you can blame. It's something directly that you can sort of stop and you can put the onus on a company larger to stop. Like they're asking YouTube, stop these videos. Whereas cyberbullying, all they can do is ask the principal maybe like they can't reach out to another kid's parents as easily you know like it's something you can latch onto to try and stop okay that's a good point they're just looking for a way to keep their kids safe it just wasn't a real thing well and also aren't you like shouldn't you already be somewhat monitoring what your kids are watching or like kids always find a way around i guess i would i think what gets me in all this is like if you are afraid of your child watching a video that slowly escalates them to doing harmful things to themselves, if your child is capable of being susceptible to that, I think you have failed as a parent in other ways. Maybe yeah. you should have taught some critical thinking. Absolutely. Unless the Momo character is saying Simon says before each direction, there's no excuse that your child should follow it. If it says Simon says, then I don't. I understand why... Someone would kill themselves. They said Momo says, not Simon says. What do I do? Don't do it. You'll be out. I think the thing that frustrates me the most is that parents direct their energy in a certain way. And maybe it's because there is no guidebook for how you talk to your kids. These are all kids who are, you know, they're, the claim is that it's kids between the ages of like 10 and 14, right? Mm, I think so. These are kids who are starting to learn about their own privacy And they have some sense of personal security. And so the conversation to be had is not like, stop YouTube from showing Momo. But it should be about how to reach out for help or making sure you're open to them asking for help. Maybe these random mass hysteria for no reason moments are good times to have everyone check in. About things like that. Mm-hmm. On internet safety. On how to talk to your kids about what they're viewing on the internet. I guess that's a good thing that we can take away from it. Yeah, I agree. I will say, 
not that I'm an evil person, but if I was an evil person trying to get kids to do bad things to themselves, I don't know if folks listening have looked up and seen the Momo creature who was supposedly directing kids. I would not pick a weird woman with bulgy eyes and a receding hairline to give these directions. Like, I would pick a Luna and Molly from Big Comfy Couch, maybe get a Howdy Doody in there. If Kermit the Frog was telling my kid to do escalating bad things, I could see why they'd do it. And much easier to hide into YouTube videos. Right? You see Kermit, and you're like, oh, it's just Kermit. Right? I If there starts being something where Elmo's doing this shit... Then I'm concerned. That's cause for alarm. <laughs> this week... Actually, what date are we on? I guess over Valentine's weekend, Valentine's Day weekend, a big celebrity thing happened... And I'm trying to avoid saying it, but I'm just going to say it. It's a Kardashian thing. And I'm not like a Kardashian follower. And I always kind of, if I listen or read anything about them, it's mostly just like out of complete intrigue because I still don't understand how they are who they are. Yeah, that's fair. Good for them. You know, like, wow. Uh, (laughs) But um, Khloe Kardashian was cheated on again by her baby daddy. Um with someone who is very close to the family. Um, this woman, Jordan, did say, yeah, it happened. She was really drunk. It only happened once. They were both drunk. This is the only time it ever happened. It was just a kiss. And he admitted it too, right? Uh, I I don't remember. I, perhaps. I actually have not followed his story. <laughs> because he's cheated on her before. And like, yeah. so I just believe that it happened. You know, like, sorry, Tristan, but... Um, what gets me is that Jordan has said it was just a kiss or it was just kissing. And I feel like that also might be Tristan's perspective too, is it was just kissing. It wasn't any, it wasn't, wasn't really cheating. Mm-hmm. And so what I wanted to talk about here, it just relates to them, but it's, it is cheating. Like what is cheating? And it's simple to me. Um, it is not necessarily kissing. It's not necessarily sex, but it is just anything that goes outside the bounds that you and your partner agreed on for your relationship. Yeah. That's all. And in this case, I mean, maybe Tristan was confused because he and Chloe never had a conversation about the bounds of their relationship. <laughs> I agree with everything you said, because I highly <laughs> doubt the man was confused. <laughs> maybe he was always confused. I'm going to guess there was some conversations after the last times he cheated. True. Or did this. Yep. First, I don't understand anyone who would cheat on anyone who has Kris Jenner as a mother. Like, I would fear for my ball sack. Well, and this this Jordan girl has said, like, she is a like, she chose to go on Jada Pinkett Smith's talk show to talk about this because she respects Jada and feels like she would be a sympathetic ear. And someone who would just, like, be more open to hearing what she has to say because Jordan is fearful of what the Kardashians can and have been doing to her. Oh, and they can do it. Absolutely. Well, see, and I think a big part of this and what breaks the line, because cheating is going outside the boundaries of what a couple sets for their relationship. Mm-hmm. And then doing it, though, with, like, the person you're cheating us on best friend like, that's, that's a dark thing to do. Like, so there's yeah. issues there. And the fact that it's happened repeatedly, like, I think it was clearly time for Chloe to 
cut him out. I was shocked they were back together, but yeah, whatever. Right, see? You make choices. What I wanted to really stress for all of our listeners was that if you see someone who's in a relationship on a date with someone else, kissing someone else, like, you don't really know what their relationship is. And it's fine if you want to ask your friend, like, hey, by the way, like, are you and George, like, open? Yeah, but do it without judgment. And yeah. you never know. Exactly. You can't judge other people's relationships without knowing what they all know. That's right. So, fresh off the Oscars, Steven Spielberg is campaigning for the Academy to change the rules so that in order for a movie to be eligible to be nominated for an Oscar, it needs to have a very large theatrical release. So, it needs to essentially be in movie theaters across the country. Uh, Some people take this as a direct hit against recent nominee Roma, who won for Best Foreign Film and was up for Best Picture, and was made by Netflix. The Academy is going to look at this and decide in the spring, and I I think it's a really interesting conversation because it's looking at what is a movie in this new age of media, and is a movie made by a streaming service, mostly streamed and not put in theaters, is that a movie? What do you think? Okay, I have... Follow-up questions first. Was Roma, like, straight to Netflix, or did it do the international circuit? I think it may have done some festivals, but it's very, very much Netflix. Because winners aren't based on, like, viewers. No. And, like, it's not a People's Choice Award. No. These films are sent to judges, randomly selected or something. Uh, Members of the Academy. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So they are sent to these people, and they're like, you get to judge this thing. Mm-hmm. Well, and his argument is that a movie who's only being streamed, or majority being streamed, is how it's being presented to people, is a TV movie. That people watching it at home, it's a different experience than a bunch of people in a theater and having it be collectively absorbed. It seems to be a very old school way of looking at movies. It's a very privileged way of looking at movies. Oh, that as well. It's true. For the price of Netflix for one month, that's like seeing a movie in a theater. Yeah, it's still less. Because isn't it $10 or is it more now? Oh, you don't pay the bill. No. I mean, it's my credit card, but I don't know how much it is. Oh, it's gone up. $12.99? I pay $16.99. Okay. All right. All right. Fair. Okay. So, yes. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) Ashley just throws money around. (laughs) I feel, I just, I find it interesting. And Netflix did this with TV. They kind of like infiltrated the space and changed how people, Mm -hmm. A, consume it and how it's produced. And TV kind of accepted it very quickly. The Emmys accepted Netflix. It was TV to them. And this feels to me a weird way of pushing back. Yeah. And Steven Spielberg clearly comes from the older school of Hollywood and movies. And I think, Stephen, it's time to evolve. Right? The only the only thing is I was debating this in my head that I kind of empathize with him is I believe that karaoke, when done in one of those rooms you rent with just your friends, isn't karaoke. Mm-hmm. I think karaoke needs to be done in a room partially made of strangers to be true karaoke. So isn't Netflix true karaoke? More people have access to it. But they're not all watching in a room with some strangers. Oh, I see. Uh, sorry, I took that the wrong way. Mm. I thought it was like 
more access to it, more strangers watching instead of like you as a person watching it with. You took it differently, but I think you make a good point. Like it's, it's being put out there. It has a wider release than if it's in theaters. It's more accessible. It should be counted as a movie. And again, it's not people's choice. Yeah. As we learn time and time again. <laughs> so I honestly was really hoping Roma would win Best Picture. I haven't seen it. I think there's probably a lot of better reasons that it maybe should have won Best Picture. Mm-hmm. But I think Netflix winning Best Picture at the Oscars would have just changed the game. Absolutely. As they did for TV, I think it would have changed the game. What are you going to pick? Topics. Can we talk? So for listeners who uh, have been with us since the beginning, they will know that in episode 10, we started this segment where I will read you a story that I found on Reddit and we will determine if we think someone is an asshole or if someone else in the situation is the asshole. I've heard listeners... Like, have come to me and said they love this segment. Personally, if they hated this segment, I love it. It makes me feel like a catty Judge Judy, and I am such a fan. It's everything I wanted for this podcast. First off, am I the asshole for not accepting my father's relationship with my ex-girlfriend? I, 25, dated this girl who's now 24. Let's call her Betty. All throughout high school and our freshman year of college, we dated We tried making it work, but I went out of state for college, and she went to school two hours from her hometown. We eventually called it quits. Five years is a long time to be invested in someone, especially at such a young age. So they dated since they were like 19 and 20. Yeah. For a young person? Oh my gosh. Which is one of the reasons we decided we should remain friends. Also, our families had been good friends since Betty and I were in third grade together. So it was nearly impossible to completely cut ties. All in all, it was a healthy breakup. Fast forward about four years. Betty and I both graduate college. I stayed in the town I went to college to, to work, I guess. Anyway, he's working in the town he went to college in. Okay. (laughs) While Betty decided to move back to our hometown to work. Betty had remained close with my family and would visit them often since she lived right in town. Our parents continued their weekly game nights. Betty and I talked occasionally, but mostly kept up with each other's lives via Facebook. That same year, Betty's mother, 48, passed away unexpectedly. My family was being extremely supportive, and I was doing my best to support her from a thousand miles away. My father goes on business trips all around the U.S., so a couple of months after Betty's mother passed away, my father, who's 45, decided it would help Betty if she went on a trip to New York with him. My little sisters, who are 12, went with them, so nothing seemed out of the ordinary. When they got back, everything seemed normal, but about a month later is when everything came out. My father decided that the best way to tell my mother that he was divorcing her was to take her out to dinner with the pastor of their church and tell her in a public place. Oh my god. I think he did this intentionally so she didn't freak out at him when he told her he was leaving her for her son's 24-year-old ex-girlfriend. As soon as he le- told her, he left the restaurant, went home to tell my sisters he was leaving, then packed some clothes and left. He had admitted that his relationship with Betty 
had started almost a year prior to Betty's mother passing away. So no, he didn't take advantage of a grieving woman. Now, let's fast forward roughly eight months. Nobody has seen or heard from my father since he left. I get a call from him. Turns out that Betty got pregnant on their trip to New York and is due to give birth any day. My mind was blown. As if it wasn't bad enough that he was with Betty now, he's starting a family with her. I couldn't even think of anything to say to him, so I mumbled something about needing to take my dog for a walk and hung up the phone. I haven't spoken to my father since that day, and that entire side of my family has quit talking to me, including my own grandparents. Even the people from my hometown are supportive of my father and Betty's relationship. So, am I the asshole? Fake story. It has to be. Which, it is too, there's, it's it's too, too much. much. It is too obvious that he is not the asshole. His father's <laughs> creepy. And what really sets me off... Is that no one else cares? That, but a man so premeditated to div- break up and divorce his wife at dinner with the local pastor while dating a 25-year-old, he didn't pack beforehand. He had to go home and pack. Something's wrong. It, it, the story just doesn't add up. That's a good point. Well, maybe he just told it poorly. So let's go under the premise that this is a true story, which I'm going to say... I highly, highly doubt. If it is, clearly he's not the asshole. What's interesting? Okay, so this actually is well, a perfect... it's all interesting. <laughs> What's, this is perfect because I have talked to you before about Reddit fake stories. And I want to talk about them. And we never found a good way to do that. So here we are. Now, the typical Reddit fake story, the original poster doesn't respond very often if at all oh but this person's very responsive people ask questions and he responds they're like what about betty's dad what about your sisters um and he's he's responding to them oh give me a question i'm very now i'm very into this so like one of them is like what does betty's dad have to say about this i'm surprised he hasn't clocked your asshole the dad the person responds as crazy as it is he's supportive of it he actually quit talking to his other daughter because she sided with my mom He's as much of a nut job as Betty is. Um, How charming is this father? Right? Well, I assume anyone who has business in New York is charming just because TV tells me they are. That's true, right? So. Why, why else would you have New York business plans if you weren't charming? <laughs> Someone else was like, um, how do your sisters feel about this? And they said, this person said, my sisters are heartbroken. They looked up to my ex and absolutely loved her. So they were completely blindsided by this. The worst part is that my father won't even bother to call or see my sisters. They don't understand what they did wrong. I get why he doesn't talk to me, but to cut out your two 12-year-old daughters out of your life is just wrong. So, like... For the sake of why we're here, clearly the person writing this is not an asshole. The father is the asshole. And anyone who sides with the father and is cutting out this person or any of their siblings who didn't side with the father, also assholes. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so, it, the whole situation's fucked up. I have to say, so when I, like, was reading the story out loud to you, I was like, I feel like this person just needed to get off their chest. They know they're not the asshole. Yeah. And later on, other people, like, someone else says, how does everyone, like, support him? And the original poster says, well, I don't know if they really do, but they, like, like their couple photos on Facebook and stuff, so I view that as supporting the relationship. Yeah, I wouldn't like that couple photo. No. Just leave them with zero likes. People will get the picture. Look at the picture. At this point, an angry face. 
Ugh. Anyway, no. it's heartbreaking. Not the asshole. I agree. Not the asshole. Uh, but I do think they need to get off the chest. I think that was the whole purpose of writing it. To yeah, be fair. that makes sense. Like, that is a lot to digest. Ugh, what a dick. Ugh. Am I the asshole for telling my son about my ex-wife's infidelity? My ex and I divorced eight years ago. We have two kids together. My son is 16, turning 17 very soon. My ex-wife has always publicly said that the breakup is mutual. Lately, however, I found out she'd been telling both my kids that I left her and didn't give her the chance to continue the relationship. My son was upset with me about it. My daughter could not care less as far as I could tell. So, I took my son alone and told him that his mother had always been lying to him. That she cheated on me and that was what ended our relationship. I haven't even heard from the ex yet and I'm... Excuse me. I haven't even heard from the ex yet and I'm already feeling like I did something wrong. All I did was tell him the truth. And only in response to her lies. Ooh. That relates back to the story. You can't cut now. <laughs> um, ooh. So that relates back to our previous conversation. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I don't think he's an asshole. I think he seems actually like a sweet person. And I can see why maybe he thought what he did was wrong. Um, cause it seems like he resisted doing it for a while. Mm-hmm. He was fine with siding on with the wife, keeping a cover of why things ended, but it mm-hmm. seemed it got too far and he kind of had to tell his truth and now feels guilty about it. But I think he's in the right. I feel she kind of pushed it. Okay. We still don't know what she really said though. Like I, it... he's not the asshole for sharing that this is what happened. Mm-hmm. However, if his ex-wife was just saying that he didn't give her the chance to continue the relationship, maybe she pushed for couples counseling. Maybe she is the one who said to him, like, I cheated on you. I made a mistake. You, you know, like, me, we don't know the situation. We don't have enough information to judge whether the cheating was a good, reasonable reason for them to break up. Mm-hmm. So what we're calling a verdict on is whether or not he's an asshole for telling his son. And it seems to me that he got pushed to the point where he not needed, but felt the need to tell his truth of the side of the story to his son. And I think in that realm, he's not an asshole. Agreed. Agreed that in that case, he's not the asshole. I just think he's a little bit of an asshole for misconstruing the like the reasoning like and only in response to her lies she might not be lying she's not necessarily lying like he's being defensive about telling the truth already yes but she doesn't need to tell their kids that i wasn't given the chance to continue the relationship like that to me is an asshole move on her part she's being an asshole there by clearly putting the blame on the father to the children forcing him to tell his truth you are true. I mean... <laughs> I am true. You are right. Okay. Great. And someone else does comment saying, like, the ex-wife did what you should never do. Talk shit about the other parent. And, and that's true. And he seemed very prepared to not talk shit about her. Yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't going to talk about that. No, nope, until it got pushed. All right. 
Am I the asshole for changing someone's Instagram password for using my email? I got an email that my account name had been changed. Since I didn't have an account under the supposed name, I checked it out. It wasn't my account, so I DM'd the other person. Hi, it's actually my name. Do you want to change your email? To which this person responded, no, I'm also actually same name, bitch. Now, this user appeared to be a kid, so I decided to use this as a learning opportunity. I changed his password and deleted his recovery phone number. I then gave him a bio which said, DM me at my account with your email so I can change it for you. Am I the asshole? No, I think he's funny and clever. I think it's so funny. It may be a bit of a dick move, but I think it's a good dick move. Someone else said, justified asshole. I, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Justified asshole. Like all the colors of the rainbow, so are the gays of the week. So my gay of the week this week is Lily Singh, a YouTube sensation. She's Canadian. She grew up in Scarborough, Ontario, uh, but she's known for her YouTube channel, Superwoman. Um, and she's very funny. People like her. And she's my, well, bisexual person of the week, actually, as this week she officially came out as bi in a very, like, casual way. She made a Twitter post about, um, three things that people always, um, insinuated would hold her back. And she's like, be your own super person, blah, blah, blah. So, like, she didn't even say, like, I'm bi. She was just, like, person of color, bisexual, woman. And, like, just made this statement. And it was so simple. Um, And I think that's great and exactly how easy it should be to announce your sexuality. Uh, I, I had said to you before, like, I was actually surprised that she wasn't already out. Like, I just thought she was. Somewhere on the queer spectrum. Uh, so, obviously, my gaydar is very on. <laughs> Your bidar. My bidar. Your queerdar. <laughs> um, but, yes, uh, every time someone comes out, I always have a big... My heart opens with its little arms to hug them and is like, yay, welcome to the club. So... Welcome, Lily, to being openly bisexual. Huh, and you're being your gay of the week. What a welcome. <laughs> Big props. My gay of the week is Billy Porter. He is... He was the original Lola of Kinky Boots on Broadway. He is the one of the stars of Pose, one of the most groundbreaking series on television, I think, in probably a decade or more. And recently, he was on the red carpet of the Oscars, uh, hosting a show with ABC there, and he wore a tuxedo dress that took the internet by storm, and his interviews about it, he was very intentionally trying to break gender norms, show what can be done. He angered a lot of people. If you read comments and Twitter and things that were, like, shoved at him, even from people who, quote-unquote, accept gay people, some of them were vicious. And it blows my mind how pushing, like, queer people and gay people have been accepted in so much light. It seems so funny to me that, like, the dress code of genders still angers and pushes so many buttons. 
And he went there and he did it. And I think that is fantastic that he took his platform as a black gay man and used it. Mm-hmm. And... And there was no way that what he wore would ever be on any worse dress list. That's the thing. It's like, oh. if you look at that compared to any other things being worn on that day, easily one of the top five. Oh, my God. It made for me best gasp. Dressed. It Sorry. was yeah. fantastic. It was, be- it was wonderful. Yeah. And I think it's a great time to highlight him. I believe in the next few months, the next season of Pose is coming out. Mm. And if you are a queer person or a person with any sense of the world... You need to catch up on Poe season one right now so that you are ready for season two. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, sorry. I looked at Ashley way too much as I was saying that, directing it at her because she hasn't watched it. But I want to. She d- Oh, yeah. It's totally like... I just have a lot of TV on the go right now. And it's not on a Netflix or something. It's less accessible. It's shocking nowadays when something isn't like on a direct streaming right? service how it seems like it's blocked to watch you. It's, it's harder. If it's not available on my on-demand... I swear to you that I will open up my computer and figure out how I used to watch TV. Right? And find it for you. (laughs) How did we used to do that? (laughs) Oh, but Billy Porter for that dress tuxedo and for all you do, Gay of the Week. Woo! Oh, well, Ashley, that was another Saturday night of not being with our people and spending it together in a basement talking, and it was lovely. It was exactly how I like to spend my Saturdays. Right, and all of those of you out there listening and spending your 45 minutes with us a week, if you want and haven't already, follow us at Insta- on Instagram at Gay Best Friends Podcast. We also have noticed that some of you have uh, liked us on your listening apps. Um, a few of you on Anchor, some of you on iTunes. And bravo to you all. We really appreciate it. If anyone wants to leave us any feedback on your listening app um, or feedback for other listeners to know that they should come listen to us as well. Ashley's saying, leave us something nice. (laughs) Yes, yes, I am. Don't leave negative feedback on there. Tell us personally, because you can also email us at gaybestfriendspodcast at gmail.com if you have something negative. But if you've had only positive things, do it on iTunes. That's right. Do the nice things publicly. And then not nice things. We'll deal with that together. <laughs> All right. Well, that's another another week done. Thanks, everyone. Bye, Bye besties. besties.